You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. Welcome into the Godfather Gordon Cop Podcast. Uh, it is Monday, so we're only two days away from signing day. Signing day, I thought, was going to be a little bit less hectic this year because of the early signing period, but it's pretty hectic. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I have no idea where they're going to go, and uh, you know, usually I have a better handle on this. So there aren't as many prospects out there, Gordy, that are going to make their decisions, but I'll tell you what, guessing at where these guys are going to go is, is probably as hard as it's been any year. Yeah, it is. It has been a little bit confusing. Even guys that, you know, I've covered for two or three years, it's coming down to the final days here. And I'm not entirely certain that they're, you know, that they've picked their schools yet. Uh, there's been a lot of movement in the last couple of, of days uh, all across the country. You know, we, we, we're going to go down the list here, but you know, top guys we're not really certain on. I, I think it, do, it doesn't have the same feel as a normal signing day because usually you're just running like a chicken with your head cut off now, just hearing rumors and all kinds of stuff. And that's kind of died down a little bit because so many people are, are already signed. But it's still very active and still very hectic leading up to Wednesday. And a lot of it's lack of information. I mean, obviously, this is the time of year where kids shut things down. But some of these kids, yeah. you don't even have secondary sources on. You know, uh, Patrick Sertain is a great example. Um, this is a guy that has been very quiet when it comes to you know the media and talking about schools he likes. And I think the last time anybody spoke to him, LSU was near the top of his list. And it's been a long time since anybody's really had an opportunity to to have a discussion with him as far as who's his favorites and, and all that. He's looking at Alabama. I think he just took a visit to Miami this past weekend. But his dad is a former NFL player, so you're not going to get – and he's his high school coach, so you're not going to get anything from him. You know, you talk to his teammates, and they're not going to give him up. So I've got LSU for him, but this could easily be Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And and what adds to the intrigue um, of kids like Patrick Sertain and others is – you know, they've gotten so good at uh, kind of controlling their own information and putting it out and really not leaking anything and people don't talk and all those kinds of things. Um, Sertain is definitely on the top of the list of guys that don't talk a whole lot or really even when they do talk, uh, they don't say anything. LSU had been considered the favorite for a long time. I would not be surprised at all if he ends up there. But when Alabama comes in late like this, you just kind of get a feeling in your gut that when they come in and in that you know everybody knows they need defensive backs, he can step in early and and play uh, you know immediately at Alabama. It's just tough to turn down. So my guess would be Alabama here, but I would certainly not be shocked if it was LSU. If he ends up at Miami, credit Mark Richt and that staff for getting that done. But I don't see that happening. I think he probably ends up at Alabama. Just yeah. Like when you talk about all of the se- all the, the seven remaining five stars, Alabama's in the mix with every one of them, um, whether yeah. it's to a large extent, you know, like with Sertain or, or Justin Ross or some others, or on the outside looking in a bit, but you know Alabama is going to pull some surprises. So I'm doing a prediction article for Tuesday, and of those seven five-stars, I've got Alabama getting one of them, and I know that's wrong. I, I absolutely 100% know it's wrong, but, you know, 
there's just so much information about other schools that it's hard for me to pick Alabama. Um, I know they're, I know they're probably going to get two or three of them. So Sertain could be one of those guys. I could easily pick Alabama for Sertain, then look like a fool because he picks LSU and everybody says LSU has been his leader forever, but it would not shock me one bit to see the number eight player in the country, Patrick Sertain, go to LSU. I mean, Alabama. Now, if he went to Miami, I'd be stunned. Um, you know, that's, that's probably not going to happen, but Alabama. So let's. Let's just say with all seven of these five stars we're going through here, you know, whoever we pick, Alabama wouldn't be a surprise uh, if we don't pick them. Nick Petit Frere is the next guy uh, when you go ranking-wise. He's the number 11 player in the country, offensive tackle. Just visited Ohio State this past weekend. He's been at Notre Dame. He's been at Michigan. Uh, he's been at Alabama. And Florida has long been considered his leader, but nobody has a read on this kid either. He doesn't talk to anybody either. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, you know, he could easily end up at Alabama too. And I talked to our esteemed colleague, Andrew Bone yesterday about this. And he said that best case scenario is Sertain, Freer, Justin Ross, who's the number one player in the state. And the last number one player in the state of Alabama not to go to Alabama was Jameis Winston, I think in 2012. So they have a long track record of closing strong with top kids in the state. Jalen Waddle uh, is in the mix. Tyson Campbell is in the mix. Isaac Taylor Stewart. I mean, the list at Alabama is could be really, really impressive. Now, if they get, I don't think they get everybody. They probably only get a few, um, but still, yeah. Like you said about Nick Petit Friere, doesn't talk to anybody. Uh, would it be shocking if he just went to Florida? No, not at all. Um, I don't think he goes north. I don't see that happening. But if he ends up at Alabama, that could be huge. Uh, but my, I would guess that <clears throat> you know, as kids kind of really set hunker down in these last few days and. <clears throat> you know, look at the schools that have been recruiting them the longest, the longest relationships, all those kinds of things where they feel most comfortable. I think he probably ends up at Florida too. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, there's no real reason to think that other than the fact that he was linked there months ago. Um, but again, if he went to Ohio state this weekend, fell in love with Ohio state and urban Meyer closed them, that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, Alabama, of course, wouldn't yeah. be a surprise. I think the only surprise would be Michigan. I saw somebody predicted Michigan someplace, but I haven't heard Michigan mentioned with him at all. Uh, Notre Dame has definitely been involved and and is considered one of the one of the key finalists there too. So we'll have to seize a Tampa kid. So you know, Florida makes sense, but who knows with him as well? Justin Ross, you alluded to, number one player in Alabama. Uh, you know, the best wide receiver in Alabama since a kid named Julio Jones 100 years ago. Clemson was the leader for the longest time, but, uh, you know, had a great official visit to Alabama, great in-home in visit. Um, I'm picking Alabama for this one. But, again, if you went to Clemson, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, uh, it would be huge if Clemson could go in there and get the number one player in the state. Um I don't think in the Rivals era, Clemson has ever done that. Florida State was the last one, Jameis Winston, like I said, in 2012. So, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> Clemson, like you said, had been the leader for a very, very long time. It would not shock me if he ended up at Alabama. Um, could he be the next Calvin Ridley type? Sure. Could he be the next? You know, they, they've had their long list of receivers. And now with Tua at the, as the you know, probable starter there, uh, I think that could be intriguing, but Clemson is certainly not void of quarterback talent or, you know, producing NFL wide receivers. So 
I think this one is way too close to call. It could go really either way. Um, if he sticks with the favorite that had been his favorite for a long time, he goes to Clemson. If he feels the pressure to stay home or decides that Alabama is the best place for him or his visit really was that good there. I mean, every kid says every visit's basically the best thing they've ever been on. So that's really not kind of a valid point for me. I've never heard a kid on the record say he had a bad time on a visit. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't know. You know, it's too close to call right now. If I had to guess, I'd guess Clemson, but uh, but who knows? You're doing that beatbox thing too, so you might want to close every program that's open on your computer because uh, the, the awesome technology that we've got rolling here, uh, it's, it's definitely <laughs> stuttering some of your words, so start closing stuff. But uh, Elijah Griffin, you know, this West Coast kid, so you know him better than anybody. I've got USC. I think he ends up there. Um, flirted with some others, obviously. Hey, Alabama was in here. So, of course, you know, yeah. there's another program that, that was involved, um, you know, Tennessee, some others. Uh, but I got USC, and I, I think you agree. Yeah, I, I think he ends up at USC. His family, uh, they uh, his dad, Warren G., the rapper, doesn't fly. So uh, for him to go to any game would almost be a virtual impossibility. And so I think that plays a factor into it as he winds down here in his thinking. From what I understand, the kid loves the SEC, is intrigued by Alabama and Tennessee, and playing on that biggest stage. Uh, but when I th- and uh, but when I think it, you know, it comes down to it, uh, you know, family's going to have a lot of pull here. Uh, USC is certainly not, a, you know, a terrible program to go play for, and I think he probably stays home. Uh, but this one's close too. I think if the kid, uh, you know, could go anywhere he wanted to, he'd pick an SEC school. Um, but I think there's other factors involved here, uh, not to say anybody's compelling him to go to USC, but that's certainly a factor, uh, to have family around game, game day and all that kind of stuff. And so I think USC probably wins out. Tyson Campbell's number 25, uh, that's Patrick Sertain's teammate and fellow cornerback. And I think Georgia, um, Miami and Alabama are in there as well. Again, he reportedly took a visit to Miami this past weekend, but I think that's out of you know, respect, um, Georgia, all signs point towards Georgia and you can't bet against Georgia after what they did in the early signing period. Yeah. Andrew bone said the best case scenario would be Alabama getting certain and Campbell. That would be incredible. Uh, obviously Alabama needs more defensive backs and they have the talent to step in early and play right away. Um, if Georgia gets him, that's eight, five stars. The last time, the only time, sometimes somebody did that in the rivals era was USC in 2004. So we're talking about maybe the best class ever in Rivals history if, if Tyson Campbell goes there um, or if they get a surprise five-star to, com- to to commit there on Wednesday. But uh, that would be absolutely huge for Georgia, again, to go into South Florida, get a five-star. Um, you know, it, it would be very, very impressive to see that recruiting class because we're, we would be in the discussion then. And I think we might even be now of one of the best classes of all time uh, and and especially if they get that eighth fifth uh, eighth five the eighth five star, um, just looking up and down the list of uh, of teams now, you see two one Clemson has five, but Georgia has really been killing it. If they can get Tyson Campbell, that would be you know historic. Yeah, and all signs point to him choosing Georgia. So um, that one might not have a lot of drama involved. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Houston. You know, again, Alabama led for a very long time. Alabama fans expect him to go there. Alabama staff is confident. 
I picked Texas A&M just because of the late push that they've made and the fact that <clears throat> everybody's coming back wide receiver-wise from what I understand at Texas A&M except a guy named Christian Kirk, and I think they're selling that that you know undersized wide receiver role to him. He can return kicks, and um, you know he's got a lot of friends at A&M. So I'm picking A&M, but again, this could easily be Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't think that there was no one better other than Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver. I thought at the Army game all week than Jalen Waddell. He was fantastic, unstoppable at times, just blew by everybody, and really does kind of remind you of a little bit skinnier Christian Kirk. Uh, definitely stretches the field, would fit in really, really well in that offense if they continue to run it that way. And this would be, you know, kind of a first test for Jimbo Fisher. Um, if he can keep Alabama out of the state, Alabama has had their way going in there and getting whoever they wanted to. Florida State has done the same thing when Jimbo was there. So uh, going in, you know, keeping a kid home, that would be huge. Selling him on that offense and that role, that would be huge too. But if he goes to Alabama, that just puts another, you know, outstanding receiver on the field for them. So we'll see. I I, I happen to agree with you again. I think he probably ends up at A&M, and I think he really has a a great career there. Well, look at the – the young wide receivers that Alabama has. I mean, last year, the freshman, Devonta Smith, Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, uh, yep. Jerry Judy. I mean, if, if they can get yep. a, another five-star to just buy in, uh, as well as Justin Ross. I mean, imagine if they get Ross and Waddle. It, that's just ridiculous. No, I, know. I mean, and no, it'd be, it'd be ridiculous. And, and you look at the stats and yeah, Calvin Ridley caught, you know, basically was thrown every single time. Uh, and he dominated the stat the stat sheet. But as this moves forward, and you have Damian Harris and Najee Harrison in the backfield, to a, a quarterback, you know the offensive line is going to be solid, and the receivers are just starting to become insane. If they get Ross and if they get Waddle uh, to join those young guys, and they're all young guys too, so that's five wide receivers right there that are game breakers. Um, so you know, obviously Alabama, the best team in college football, and doesn't look like they're going anywhere. See, that's why I think Waddle goes to a and I, I just <clears> – <throat> Ruggs is like him. Uh, you know, Devonta Smith isn't the biggest kid in the world either. Um, Jerry Judy's got more size than either of those two, but not a huge wide receiver. But, you know, like Ridley size. Uh, but, again, you know, he'd be walking into a situation where there's just guys that are very similar to him that have a year on him. But, again, that's just logical thinking – versus what these kids fall into, you know? I mean, yep. how do you not want to go to Alabama and play for a national championship every year when, you know, A&M hasn't played for anything in 100 years? So, I don't know. I guess, you know, Jimbo recruited him at Florida State. There is a previous relationship there. A lot of friends on the team itself. But, again, friends usually aren't a factor. Um, so, we'll see on that one. But, again... A&M is the – a lot of people are picking Alabama for this one. So, you know, maybe we get it wrong. Maybe Clemson gets Ross and Alabama gets Waddle. But uh, I don't know. And this one, I got USC for Isaac Taylor Stewart, but I have no idea. USC's got limited numbers. You know, if they get Elijah Griffin, I just can't see them turning away a talent like Isaac Taylor Stewart, even though if they get Elijah Griffin, I think they're they're good at that position. Um, I, I still think they take him, but, you know, he visited Tennessee. 
He's got AM and Alabama on his list. Nobody knows what this kid's thinking. He's a little bit flaky, so it, it's hard to, hard to guess where he's going to go. But USC seems to be the safe bet, but I don't know. You said it, not me. <laughs> he's the, no, well, no one they're knows. All flaky. I mean, listen, let's, yeah. and again, flaky is a relative term. I mean, they're all going through this process. They're all dealing with their different you know, when, when you have 30 coaches coming into your school telling you how great you are right. every right. week, uh, you're, you're going to, you know, lose it a little bit. And, you know, the, yeah. the California kids, they're, they're a little different. I, I sort of look at it like Iman Marshall took all those visits and talked a big game about the SEC and stayed home. And Dory Jackson took all those visits, talked a big game about the SEC and yeah. stayed home. I, I'm just going safe here. Um they all talk a big game about leaving. Uh, very few of them do. So I don't think Taylor Stewart's going to be any different. Yeah, I've always gotten the feeling when I talk to Isaac Taylor Stewart or just have been around him uh, that, that he's going to end up at USC no matter what. He had always talked highly about Ohio State early on and they were his leader and you know all that kind of stuff. And it just always came back to USC for me. Um, you know, Does he go to Tennessee because he had a great visit there this past weekend? You know, I, I don't know. He could. He could end up at Tennessee. I just don't see that happening. Uh, Alabama, you know, like I said five million times on this podcast already, need, need backs, that's backs, that's what they're selling on him. He had a great visit there. Uh, he's good friends with Leon O'Neill from this summer that, you know, they were at events together. They hit it off. Uh, if Leon O'Neill ends up at A&M, is that enough to pull Isaac Taylor Stewart to A&M? He, was, he loved A&M when Sumlin was there. Um I don't know how much interaction he's really had with them since Jimbo Fisher has been there. So yeah, absolutely. USC would take him, uh, physically. He's probably one of the best looking cornerbacks in the last couple of years. Um, you know, he, he ran, he, he runs fast. He, he won our fastest man award at the five-star challenge this past summer. Uh, excellent cornerback. So absolutely USC would take him and Elijah Griffin. Uh, they could load up, um, because USC's defensive back play last year, if you ask me, was not all that great. And so they can compete for early playing time. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if both of those kids, Griffin and Taylor Stewart, ended up at USC on Wednesday. Again, though, I would not be shocked at all if both of them ended up at Tennessee or one at Tennessee and one at Alabama or however it would play out. So both of those kids, and usually at this time, I have a pretty good feeling on where kids are going and a good understanding of what they're thinking. Those two kids are definite wild cards for me. Yeah. And I don't think USC could lose both of them. I, I think that's impossible. So we'll see, but maybe, maybe yeah. this will be the year. I mean, you know, uh, Jack Jones was another one who talked a big game and shocked the world and decided not to shock the world. And, you know, they really need yeah. to develop these guys. They haven't developed their corners that well uh, in recent years. And, you know, maybe the kids notice that maybe they're like, I don't want to be Iman and Jack and, and guys like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Adoree Jackson was developed, but he was drafted in the first round more for his special teams ability than for his pure ability as a cover corner. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe USC's reputation is taking a hit, but um, they're taking a small class. The numbers are going to be tight, so um, they're going to have to be very careful as well uh, because there's a couple other guys that are locks for the class. Moving outside of the five stars, but staying into the Rivals 100, Rick Sandage. Uh, defensive tackle. I think he goes South South Carolina. That's been the rumor for the longest time. And again, a lot of my information is going on what the rumor is for the longest time. Um, you know, Georgia and some other schools are, are, are certainly in there. But 
I think once you get a kid like Sandage, Dylan Wanham just committed to South Carolina, had family ties there. Once you get that rumor going that this is his default choice and they take all their visits and they usually come back to their default choice. That's why I got South Carolina for him. Yeah, I think so too. And how can you turn down we cocky? Yeah. I mean, if if that could be your hashtag. Everybody loves that one. (laughs) It's a real hit. Uh, Yeah. I, you know, talked to Adam Friedman about Sandage a bunch of times. I think South Carolina is the definite team to beat. I don't see him going to North Carolina. Uh, at all. Georgia would be the player there. Um, but I think he ends up at South Carolina. Would be a very nice addition. Um, good interior, aggressive kid. I think Muschamp loves the way he plays and has not exactly promised him early playing time, but as you can, as you can, and said, you know, you're going to play early if you come here. So I think that's going to play a factor. I think he has some family connections to South Carolina, so I think that is absolutely the team to beat. No surprise there if he picks the Gamecocks. Devin Williams, I got Oregon. USC's in there, uh, but I think you know Oregon was the leader when Taggart was there. I think Oregon's still the leader with Mario Cristobal at the helm as well. Yeah, uh, USC's trying to make a late run here. I don't. I wouldn't count them out just because when they get really aggressive late and it's a local kid and. Uh, you know, he hasn't been away from home all that much, but Oregon, the the kid traveled to Vegas to watch Oregon in in their bowl game. I think that just speaks volumes to how interested he is in that program and playing there when he settles down, he's not talking to anybody over the next three days as he, you know, goes into hiding and, uh, figures out what he wants to do. But I don't think it's going to be much of a surprise. I think he's going to go to Oregon and he could be a two-way standout wide receiver. I know he wasn't good at Under Armour, but he's been very good at other, other things. Um, at wide receiver or a, a huge safety or even growing into a linebacker. I think probably he'll stay at wide receiver. Um, and it could be interesting with him and Jalen Hall, uh, you know, two big, long wide receivers uh, that, that, that could be interesting in the pac 12 because uh, you know, that kind of length and that kind of athleticism doesn't come around very They're often. You're going to have to light a fire under both of those two guys. I have no doubt about it. That is, that is the one question that you have with both of those kids. Um, they are, when, when you look at both of them, they're physically so gifted, but they never really dominate as much as you probably would hope that they would. Panay Sewell, I got Oregon. Uh, Alabama has been in the mix. USC has been in the mix, Utah. Uh, but I got Oregon. What do you got? Now this is the one, Mike, this is the one where, I don't know what's going on. Uh, if he ends up at Oregon, that would not be shocking. Uh, something in my gut tells me he stays home and goes to Utah. That would also not be shocking. I would be a little surprised if he went to Alabama. I don't think really they're making you know an aggressive move for him. I don't think he goes to USC. So I would think it's Oregon or Utah. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, I'm just going to say he stays home and goes to Utah. Well, there has been a rumor that one of his brothers at Nevada uh, is leaving and might, you know, be part of a package deal. You know, if they take the transfer of the brother, then he'll come along. Yeah. And, and Utah is definitely involved in that discussion. I don't think Alabama is or Oregon is. So, so we'll see. He could be a surprise as well. I know Oregon has recruited him as hard as humanly possible. Um, I know there's, there's confidence yep. up there more so than there is at Alabama, but he could do anything. And again, 
there's going to be surprises. There's going to be guys that pick schools that we didn't see coming right now. Picking them to go to Utah is it's an outlier. It's not what everybody's saying, so you could get that one right. Um, but we'll see. He had an opportunity to commit and sign early uh, and did so. So, so you know, he was yeah. waiting on something, and I don't know. Maybe if he was going to sign early, a lot of people thought it was going to be with Oregon. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, that 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 one is really the hardest one, I think, out west. As you look at at everything, um, you know, there was a rumor that he wanted to play with his brothers, and then backed off of that. There was a rumor that he was going to sign early, then he backed off of that. So I think it's uh, anything could happen there. I'm just going to pick the home state school, but Oregon is certainly a player. And Rasheed Walker is another one. Uh, he's a difficult one to read because we thought even back at the five-star challenge in, in June that he was a lock for Penn State, that he was going to commit to Penn State any any moment, might even commit that week. Uh, didn't do that. Has taken his time, has taken visits. Ohio State has pushed very, very hard ever since Jackson Carmen decided to go to Clemson. Uh, Virginia Tech is in there as well. I've got Penn State because he's got the comfort level there. He's been there the most, but... Larry Johnson recruits Maryland very well. Obviously, he's a defensive line coach, but he's got a lot of ties to that area. And uh, I, I think they're they're putting the full court press. And when Urban Meyer puts the full court press on, it's difficult to hold on to kids. So I'm going Penn State, but it's like 51-49. When you can spend four years in, in beautiful State College, I mean, who would turn that there down? You'd, you'd be a there fool. There we go. That's, that's going to be the difference. It's got to be the beautiful – scenery and you know there's so much to do in state college and you take a walk up mount nittany and you tell me you're not you're not going to go there uh yeah I, I i think he goes to penn state just because they've been he's been so comfortable with them for so long and james franklin can close too um it's it's tough to beat urban a lot but i think they beat him here um ohio state puts a lot of offensive linemen in the nfl i don't know if that's going to be a factor though i think he i think he's most comfortable at penn state and usually as as these things wind down, that's how it how it plays out. So I'm picking Penn State, but but close. You know, I mean, Ohio State's not going to give up until the until the papers are faxed in. Uh, Jamar Chase is an easy one. In state wide receiver, going to go to LSU. It seems it wasn't that easy a month ago. He was leaning towards TCU, but obviously that's changed. So he should be actually on this list. So far, he's the only easy one. I think there's really LSU, and there's no other choice. But when I look at these other guys, I could see Sertain or Petit Frere or Ross or Griffin or Campbell or Waddle or Taylor Stewart or Sandage or Williams or Sewell or Walker going anyplace else, uh, you know, numerous places, but I can't see Jamar Chase going anyplace but LSU. One of the most amazing things in recruiting is that LSU has always gotten top in statewide receivers, not done a whole lot with them in the last few years, and they still go there. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to end up at LSU and maybe the new offensive coordinator can do something with Terrace Marshall and him. And, you know, they're going to have, they have skill. Uh, they have a lot of players on the outside who have a lot of, a lot of talent, but, uh, coming in, um, but we'll see if the offense will change or if, or now with Matt Canada, Canada out of there, if they're just going to go back to running the ball up the middle, uh, like they did under Les Miles. So it'll be interesting to see, but you know, Credit to LSU for being able to convince these wide receivers uh, that that going there is is still 
worth it for them. And I think he's the first kid we've mentioned so far that was committed to a different school, which is amazing. I don't think uh, any of these other guys had been committed elsewhere. No, that's wrong. Griffin was committed to UCLA, so. Yeah, Griffin was at I'm UCLA. Wrong. But yeah. usually you look at these guys and you wonder what would have been, you know, he committed to, uh, you know, McElwain and the Florida staff and then decommitted and now he's going to go to LSU and, you know, in a few years we'll be wondering, you know, should he have stayed at Florida? Would he be a star under Dan Mullen? Uh, or maybe he becomes a star at LSU, and it's just always intriguing to see where these kids, uh, you know, previously committed to. But you know, Florida never had a chance after he decommitted, so this one's all out to you. Tanner McKee with the taking the mission. Everybody thinks he's going to Stanford. I don't think there's a lot of drama here. No, and that's what I love about Tanner McKee. He's not a big drama kid. He took all of his visits. He was very, uh, you know, slow in the process. He was not going to rush anything. And the thing that has been interesting about him is he doesn't care that quarterbacks are committed elsewhere. Um, he's not going to play football for two years. So that's going to be uh, not a concern of him, of his. He's basically a 2020 recruit. He'll come back. I think Stanford is 100% the school. I would be shocked if he goes anywhere else. I do not, he has not told me that he's going to Stanford. Um, but after getting that offer and after taking that visit, um, you know, I, I would be I would be surprised if he ends up anywhere else. And then William Barnes out of Apopka, Florida, was a big time Gator lean for the longest, longest time. Now I think he's going to go to North Carolina. He was had a good relationship with the previous staff, and apparently doesn't really have a relationship with the new staff. So North Carolina seems to be where everybody projects him to go, and I, I agree. No clue on that one, Mike. Uh, North Carolina right. it is. Michael Thompson, figure this one out. This is tough. I mean, honestly, try to figure this one out. You know, is a, is a kid who is being recruited by Missouri. That's his home state school. Uh, a lot of people in the St. Louis area think he's going to go to Missouri. A lot of people in the St. Louis area also think he's going to go to Oklahoma. Um, you know, I really don't know which it's going to be. So I picked Missouri just because it's the home state. It would be terrible for Missouri and Missouri recruiting and the future of that program if they lose out on Trevor Trout and Michael Thompson, two in-state kids who uh, could have ended up at Missouri and really been superstars there. Trevor Trout's going to USC. I think uh, I think Michael Thompson's going to go to Oklahoma. There, you know, that had been a school that really emerged in the last few weeks. Uh, I talked to Josh McQuistian about this and read some of the stuff that he's been writing, and they feel pretty confident about it. Very intrigued by that program. Uh, obviously a winning program in the college football playoff. Uh, Missouri is kind of a, a struggling, middling SEC East team. And so it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I would absolutely not count out Oklahoma here. If I had to guess right now, I say it goes to Oklahoma. Well, and this is where, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff is so important. Like, yeah, you look at Oklahoma, you look at Missouri. Where are you going to go? Of course you're going to go to Oklahoma. They've been in the playoff two of the last three years. They're always in the Big 12 title hunt. They're always in the national championship hunt. They, they produce more pros, although Missouri's defensive line uh, pro production has been pretty amazing. But, you know, that's what you would yeah. think. But there's more to it. You know, there's family involved and, and, and so many other factors. And does he want to leave home, even though it's not that far away? Um, so 
I don't know. This one's a tough one to read. I went back and forth on my prediction quite a few times. So we know I'm going to get it wrong. So it's probably going to be Oklahoma. Uh, but I got Missouri on that one. It was Missouri for a long time, too. I mean, they were they were sort of a yeah. solid leader for him for quite some time. Solomon, USC, that one's easy. I would be stunned if he goes anywhere else. They are recruiting linebackers like crazy. They're keeping a spot for him. Uh, I think Tulia Pupu is going to USC. Yeah, that, that one's easy. And then um, I, I, I skipped over Leon O'Neill because by the time this comes out, he'll probably have made his decision. He's, he's announcing on Monday, which is today. Um, Texas A&M seems to be the lock here for him. Uh, I don't think there's any other school. And he's a very, very active, uh, talkative kid. So I think he's going to be in the ear of other people heading into their decisions Wednesday. But um, we don't have to really talk about because it'll be done by then, but I can't see any. Real quick, though, on A&M. A&M is the, you know, one of the bottom teams in the SEC right now, but they're expecting a huge finish with Leon O'Neill kind of starting it today, uh, going in through Wednesday. It should be very busy. Um, you said it for take two today, Mike. Uh, talk to some other people. It seems like Texas A&M is going to be very, very busy in the coming days, and they have to be because since Jimbo got there, They've only had two commits, two three-star kids, one's a Juco. Um, so not very impressive so far, but in the next few days, it could really ramp up for yeah, them. Yeah, Ja'Shawn Corbin, Jeremiah Martin, uh, you know, Waddle. There's there's a lot of guys that they're involved with, so I think they're going to close very, very strong. And then uh, Mario Goodrich, former Nebraska commitment, going to LSU. I think that's pretty much a lock as well. Yeah, LSU. I, I don't think that's up to much debate. So Jamar Chase and Mario Goodrich helping us out here with two easy predictions. So that's the hundred right there. Those are all the guys that are not committed. Obviously a lot of these guys have signed, so there's not going to be too many flips. Um, you know, we could see, let's do the two fifty. Oh God, It gets really <laughs> up in the two fifty, man. I mean, you got Mikhail Salahuddin, you know, you got Merlin, the wizard Robertson, you got, uh, Sorry, Crosswell, Dax Holyfield. As it, uh, yeah, it starts Michael getting Michael Ezeke, uh... Noah Boykin, Jared Bell. You know, I mean, not that these aren't good players, but I mean, we're talking about Pitt and Arizona State and Stanford, and you know, some some not so sexy destinations. I mean, good programs, but um, you know, Arizona State is interesting though if they get Merlin Robinson. If they get Crosswell, if they get Jared Bell, that's a pretty good finish for a guy who can't recruit. Yeah, and and uh, I don't know how much it is Herm Edwards at all. Antonio Pierce is the former New York Giants linebacker, Super Bowl champion, former Howard Stern intern, former Long Beach Poly coach, uh, and that's the real connection there. He has a ton of connections in Southern California. He's going to the, – the kids who played for him loved him. So guys like Ashari Croswell and Jermaine Lowley are going to probably end up at Arizona State for sure. Merlin Robertson, I think Illinois is a contender. I just don't see him going that far away from home. So I think Arizona State is the player there for him. And I love how Merlin plays. I think he's going to really do well out there. Um, he's just kind of a wild man that goes out there and hits people and goes nuts. And I and I just love it. So. Um, I think Arizona State is going to close really, really well. It'll be interesting to see how Arizona closes. 
because, you know, the, the hype is that Kevin Sumlin can recruit and he's from the SEC and Herm Edwards doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He hasn't coached in 10 years and he's surprised that he has to talk to 2019 kids and their parents. Uh, and he's going to be the one that that closes pretty strong here. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays yeah, out. Yeah, Arizona is going after Jeremiah Martin, who was, you know, obviously leaning towards Texas A&M when someone was there. Um, but yeah, Arizona State looks like they could get three kids in the Rivals 250. Florida as well, with Jacob Copeland in the Rivals 250, likely to choose them. Noah Boykin, who's a former Maryland commitment, who's uh, supposed to choose Florida as well, and Andrew Chatfield, linebacker, is supposed to choose Florida as well. So, um, you know, the Gators uh, should close strong, um, you know, not with not with the Rivals 100 kids, not with the five stars, but, you know, certainly with some Rivals 250 kids. And so I think if you're looking at the rest of the 250, which we're not going to go through, um, you know, Arizona State, uh, Florida, I think A&M with Ja'Shawn Corbin and, and Jeremiah Martin, uh, those those programs should get multiple rivals, 250 kids, which would be good for all of them. Florida needs to close strong. They're seventh in the SEC right now. No five stars. Um, that's a little surprising, I think, um, especially with Georgia having seven, could get eight. Texas A&M, six four-stars, so seven three-stars. That class is really not strong right now, so they're 13th. The only team worse than them is Arkansas, um, so Texas A&M needs to close strong. I think they will. I think Florida closes strong, and then out here, I think Arizona State has a busy day getting some really talented kids. But, you know, Texas A&M is off to a good start in the 19 class. Um I think next year in Texas is going to be very interesting because they already got Brian Williams, they got Grant Cannell. I think it's going to be really interesting in Texas because everybody's going to be recruiting the heck out of these kids. It's a very talented class in 2019. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've got five stars like Theo Weiss and, and R.J. Henderson. Oklahoma does a great job in Texas as well. You know everybody is going to be coming in there, the, the Alabamas and and Clemson's and everybody in the world is going to come in there for the skill kids. Uh, LSU recruits well. They're going to be hitting Texas hard. So 2019 in Texas is going to be probably the one state to watch more than any other, including Florida or California, I think. Um, and A&M is off to a good start there, too. So, you know, the 2018 class is a transition class for Florida, for Florida State, for A&M. It's not going to really make or break them. Uh, the 2019 class is going to be key for those guys, but it is a little surprising, you know, when you see Florida without a five star, you know, and you see more three stars and four stars at A&M, which is traditionally one of the top 10 or 15 programs in the country every year uh, in our rankings. But again, you got to understand the coaching changes sort of mess everything up. So I think right now... What's surprising in Texas, I think, for the 2019 class, Mike, is one, yeah, like you said, it's a loaded class. Um, there are six kids committed in the top 20, three to A&M, three to Oklahoma. Texas has no, none of them. Yeah, so uh, where, where Texas jumped out early and got really aggressive in the 2018 class, um, it looks like they're taking a, maybe a little bit more of a managed approach here in 2019. Not to say that they're not going to you know, clean up and get a lot of these kids, uh, but right now, A&M and Oklahoma is out of the gate and, and starting really 2019 well. 2019 commitments mean nothing. It's absolutely worthless. Nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. Uh, we, two of the top 
seven players in the country have already committed to one school and decommitted. Um, you know, <laughs> number 12 player in the country, Trey Sanders, was committed to Alabama. He decommitted. On and on it goes. Uh, I just think, you know, when you start to see this this rush of early commitments that is going to happen right around signing day or right after signing day or this week, I just look at it as like, okay, that's interesting. It's nice. But how many of these are going to absolutely stick? Um, I don't know. I mean, kids, it, it was funny. We were at the Under Armour Future 50 registration <clears throat> day, and, and Trey Sanders was going to decommit from Alabama. And uh, there was another kid, I can't remember his name right now, who was going to decommit from Alabama. And it was like no big deal. It was, it was like, yeah. oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm decommitting <laughs> from Alabama, you know, like, I don't want to go to Alabama. And it's like, why don't you want to go to Alabama? I mean, you know, you don't ask that question, but you think it, eh, whatever, you know, but they could, they could recommit to Alabama easily. You got, you got your wish though, Mike, you got your wish. wish uh, Official visits in April. That's a terrible idea. It's not my wish. I don't want well, I want the early signing period. I want it in August, so I do want official visits in the spring. But listen, that's just more work for us. But, you know, the spring is always April 15th to the end of May is always just boring. It's it's loaded with commitments that mean nothing. Uh, it's yeah. loaded with, with school visits where you're not allowed to talk to the kids, but you sit down and have hour and a half long conversations with them. Um, you know, and, and just this rash of of commitment and maybe the official visits will slow that down a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll slow it down, but maybe if you got an official visit scheduled for the following week, let's say you're visiting Miami on an official visit and a week later you're supposed to go to Florida. And then the next week you're supposed to go to Alabama. Maybe you won't commit on that visit to Miami. Whereas otherwise, if you went on that visit to Miami and weren't taking those other visits and they weren't official visits and they weren't paid for, you just jump on that, offer, commit, and then decommit six months later. So maybe it'll slow things down. I'm not really sure. I'm trying to remember the kid who was decommitting from, uh, it's, oh, oh, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, Debbie Hammond from, uh, from uh, Bradenton. He's an IMG kid. It was, he was so, so nonchalant about committing. He hadn't told the staff yet that he was decommitting and all this other stuff. But uh, it, it was, it was just funny to me because obviously, you know, there's, one program in the country you wouldn't expect to have kids decommit from it's Alabama. Um, and we had two of them who had just decommitted that week. So these 2019. Yeah. What exactly did they see that they didn't like? Right. And the playoff so and, and, and you know, the, the playoff had just begun. So, I mean, I think they saw the playoff game, but they hadn't seen the national championship game yet, but I, I don't know. Like I said, these commitments, they, they mean nothing to me this early. I mean, they're fun to follow, but um, look back at the, the rivals 100 for 2018. And, you know, if you really look at it, I mean, Justin Fields was committed someplace else. Uh, Xavier Thomas was a lock for South Carolina at the beginning of the process. Micah, Micah Parsons committed to Penn state then named his dog Brutus after Ohio state. And then Ohio state had to drop him cause they cheated. And then he recommitted to Penn state and, you know, on and on it goes, you Cheat cheated in the most uh, the stupid ob- obnoxious cheat. definition of cheating. Because cheat, it happens yeah. all the time. You know, 
how is it cheating that a kid meets Kirk Herbstreit on the ESPN set? That's cheating. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I guess the thing is that he got he got privileges that another person would not get. You know, you mean like lobster free lobster dinners? Well, that's that's not a privilege, but meeting yeah. Kirk Herbstreit. Don't, don't get know. me started. Listen, it's not cheating. It's what it is. But you know, I mean, people kids go to schools all the time and run into former NFL players and tell them where to go and. But Adam Anderson was committed to LSU. Tyreek Johnson was an absolute lock for Florida. Uh, Jackson Carmen was 100% lock for Ohio State. Uh, mm-hmm. Mookie Radley Hiles was committed to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska. Cade, Cade Mays yeah. to Tennessee. To Tennessee. Um, hold on. Taraja Mitchell was supposed to go to Florida State. Lock. James Cook was committed to Florida State. Elijah Griffin was committed to UCLA. I mean, I, I've gone through 23 yeah. kids so far. And, and, I, and I've named yep. all these kids that were committed elsewhere or, you know. J- Jaden Woodby was committed to Ohio State and then had him third on his list when he flipped to Florida yeah, State. Yeah, there's another one. And, uh, I mean, on and on, Brenton Cox was committed to Ohio State. It's almost fun to kind of go through this um, just because, I don't know. I mean, Quay Walker, number 38, is committed to Alabama. There's apparently zero chance he's going to end up at Alabama. Uh, so, you know, like I said, take the early commitments. Houston Griffith was committed to Florida State. I can't stop myself. I, I got I to gotta stop scrolling <laughs> down because it's just getting a little bit ridiculous. But, um, you know, I, I think you just take the – oh, Devin Devontae Jason was committed to Kansas at one point. Um, that's the perfect example of ridiculousness, right? And LSU, right? Wasn't he was, I think, LSU, LSU before Kansas? and then Kansas for a while after that, and then on and on it goes from there. So, uh and it's sometimes it's even hard to remember whether like yeah I, I can't remember whether Kelvin Joseph was committed elsewhere. I think I think he might have been committed to Alabama, but I, I you know I can't keep it all in my head. It's impossible. Um, Matt Corral was committed elsewhere. I got to stop. So let's take a quick look at the teams, and then we'll get out of this podcast because you're still beatboxing. I think I think you might have to actually plug into your internet. Do you know where your internet is? Do you know where it comes into I, your house? I, I have no idea. <laughs> you I might have, no have to find out where that Cat5 is that comes into your house that provides the wired internet. In this day and age, we're in 2018 now, you may have to actually find that and plug that into your laptop because we can't find a proper uh, I won't say the name of the one we're using, but we cannot for the life of us find a proper podcast host, which is amazing. I mean, which one does Adam Carolla use? That's what I want to use, right? He's the king of podcasts, right? Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll uh, message him on Twitter yeah, and ask him says. because we need help. I mean, this is ridiculous. We've tried three different programs and we're back to the original program and you're sitting here spitting out raps like a freaking rap mogul. And uh, I think I don't think I'd sound bad, but we could go and edit this and it could be like I'm the one who's on delay or whatever. Or maybe it's me because I'm hosting this podcast and maybe it's my Internet connection that stinks. But the fun of it is you just never know. Well, the fun of it is for the 500 people that listen to this thing and we thank you all. But still, it's a ridiculously low number and it's embarrassing, actually, honestly. Um, but we love you. We love you if you're listening. Um you know, they never know what to expect. They're, you know, what technical glitches are we going to have now, you know, for, for this? And we've had to cancel podcasts because it crashed. 
Uh, Dave Barry, once again, is not here to produce our podcast. This time he's got the flu, and I'm so air-quoting the flu right now. You no oh, God, idea. yeah, the ninth hole, ninth hole at yeah. friggin' I mean, Pebble please. Beach. Flu. So he's not here to help us. So we're on our own, two idiots with no technological ability whatsoever. Looking at the team rankings, though, Georgia's going to finish number one. I think that's pretty clear. I don't think USC has the numbers to push up to – but is it the best class ever, no, Mike? Do they finish I mean, with the best think, class ever? I don't think it's going to be. I mean, their average ranking is 4.18. Okay? That's been beaten twice. 4-2-1, okay. I think, uh, USC had once. And then uh, the ridiculous class where USC took 13 kids, which doesn't count, had like 4.48 average star ranking or some, yeah. some something ridiculous like that. I, I can't remember what year that was. Maybe... 2013 or something. Yeah, 4.42. They took 12 kids. That's never going to be broken. But that's only 12 kids. But when you look at the points, I, I don't know. Now, again, our point structure changed. So you can't go back to 2012 and say, well, oh, Alabama only had 2,600 points in 2012 and they finished number one. And Georgia has 3,196. But when you compare Georgia's class to Alabama's last year using the same point structure where Alabama had seven five stars. Alabama had 3,400 points, um, and it doesn't look like Georgia's going to reach that. So it's to me it should be subjective. Is it the best class ever based on our analysis, not on the point system? I don't know. If they get the eighth in Tyson Campbell – some of those USC classes were pretty ridiculous on paper. Now, again, let's yeah. look at the 2004 class that, that we were talking about had eight five-stars. Let's look at those five-stars. Fred Davis, remember him? Wide receiver out of Ohio, number one player in the state of Ohio that year. Now, this was the class that I said was the best on paper ever back in 2004. Fred Davis didn't do a ton. Thomas Herring, offensive lineman. Keith Rivers, number one player in Florida, good career at USC, okay, uh, went on to play in the NFL. Jeff Schweiger, meh, all right. Jeff Jeff Byers, the center out of Colorado, who some people, I think Scout had number one in the country, which is pretty laughable. Um, you know, he, he injured his knee and was never the same. And then the other the other ones they got are JUCO guys. So it doesn't really count. Five-star JUCO guys are not as valuable as five-star high school guys. So I don't think you can really say that the USC class with eight five-stars was better. But can you say Georgia's class is better than last year's USC, I mean, uh, Alabama class? I don't know. I'll say uh, the, the class that has always stuck out in my mind and I want to bring up to see what you think is the Alabama 2013 class. I'll read it. I'll read off some names. Ashawn Robinson, Alvin Kamara, Buster, Buster, Eddie Jackson, Tim Williams, Jonathan um, Allen, Ardarius Stewart, John, Jonathan OJ Allen, OJ Howard, yeah. D-Liner. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good class Derek right Henry. there. But again, this is after the fact. Okay. Now that, that class itself yeah. had only four or five stars, but you know, Alvin Kamara is an NFL five-star, but he certainly wasn't a college five-star. 
Tennessee, Tennessee decided Jalen Hurd was a better running back. Good job, Butch. No wonder you're unemployed. <laughs> Derrick Henry wasn't a five-star, should have been a five-star. You know, Darius Stewart, I think he was ranked properly. Um, Tim Williams was a five-nine, four-star, played like a five-star. So Eddie Jackson was a five-seven, three-star, played like a five-star before his uh, injury. So, I mean, you've got a lot of guys in hindsight. You could say, yeah, look at that class. That's ridiculous. All these guys are first or second round draft picks. But, you know, on paper, the Georgia class is better than that one. I, I think last year's class that Alabama put together is pretty impressive. Um, and I'm not sure if this year's Georgia class is better or not. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying it's very close between the two of them. I mean, the, the I don't know, maybe 11th best player in Alabama's class last year, ranking-wise, was Tua. You know, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to see. But on paper, it's a terrific class. It's one of the best in history. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's absolutely no debating whether Georgia's class is one of the best in our history. Probably one of the top five classes in our history, period. We'll see how these guys pan out, um, and then we'll – We'll, you know, review it. But like I said, when I was doing the the old ESPN days back in 2004, and I looked at that that um, USC class where they had the number one player from six different states, and every one of those guys looked like they were going to be an absolute stud. Uh, it didn't pan out that way. Now they ended up winning a national championship because guys like Dwayne Jarrett, who wasn't a five star ended up playing like a five-star, and on and on it goes. So on paper is is more difficult. I mean, look at the Tebow-Harvin class. That was a pretty good class, right? Hold on, let me get you there. You remember that one? I, I remember covering those guys. That was Yeah, you were working our Florida site at the time. Yeah, hold on one second. Let me get there. What year was that? I what think class it was 2007. Was that? Seven? Mm, no, two thousand. <clears throat> no. Yeah, it was two thousand six because that's when Harvin six. was number one. So you got Brandon Spikes, Percy Harvin, Tim Tebow, Carl Johnson. Spikes. Yep. Uh, you know Riley Cooper's in there. Uh, Riley, Riley Cooper. But that class on paper was pretty loaded. Now a lot of those guys, you know, did not pan out at all, um, and then some of them helped them win a national championship, but. That class and that class was number two. They finished behind Alabama's class. Uh, I mean, uh, behind USC's class, which was twenty-seven deep, which had, you know, all those running backs, uh, and they had uh, Vidal Hazelton, and you know, some guys that didn't pan out as well. I mean, Antoine Perez transferred to Maryland. Vidal Hazelton ended up playing at Cincinnati because he, he just busted out. Uh, Stephon Johnson, I think, got hurt. So Taylor Mays didn't play as well as expected. He was a freak. So it's just all relative. But we know Georgia's going to finish number one. We know Alabama's going to move up probably into the top three. Um, I don't think USC has the numbers because they're the other team that I look at that has. Well, if they get if they get uh, Griffin and Taylor Stewart, that's going to shoot them up, right? Even even with the lower numbers. Yes, but. I mean, it will it will shoot them up, but it won't shoot them up 
to like the top five. They'd need more guys than that. You know, if they finish with 16 kids in those two five stars, but they're going to get um, Tulia Pupu. And Tulia Pupu. So there's Pupu, three yep. five stars. If they get those, then you're talking about, you know, pushing towards. No, two five stars. Tulia Pupu's uh, four. Three five stars, you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Solomon Tulia Pupu is a four. Yeah, um, two five stars and a four star would probably push them up close to the top five. If they had the numbers, I think they could push to number two because um, they're probably going to get Ezeke. Is that a pronounce it or is it Ezeke? Ezeke. They're probably going to get him because they really want a big receiver, and I don't think they think they're going to get. Um, Devin Williams, your buddy Devin Williams. Right. So, so they'll add guys. Right. They'll probably add 18 commitments, but anything below 20, you're not going to finish first or second. That's why Clemson, Clemson's class could be the best in the country when it comes to, you know, up and down meeting needs. They've got 15 kids. Uh, they've got a very, very outside shot at certain. That's not going to happen. But if they get Justin Ross, that's six of their 16 commitments are five stars. So is that is that yeah, is that better incredible. than Georgia's class? There's a question there. <clears throat> well, you know, when it comes to the five stars that they're getting, I would argue that yes, Flor or uh, Clemson's Clemson's five stars are better than Georgia's five stars. That would be my good argument. Debate. I mean, Xavier Thomas is a top five football player. Trevor Lawrence is number one, but then Justin Fields is number two. Um, you know, and then you look at some of the guys that Georgia has as five stars. I mean, Jamari Sawyer is a top 10 player. Uh, you know, Adam Anderson is just outside the top 10. Zamir White's top 10 player. It's really, I think that's a good yeah. debate too. It's like, but Clemson's not in the discussion because they have less than, less than 20. So Clemson is like that USC class that took 12 that averaged like four, 4.42. Mm-hmm. And Georgia's like um, Alabama's class last year. I think, and Alabama's class last year, we saw how many of those true freshmen impacted the national championship. Um, I think that's what you're going to see at Georgia. I don't, I don't know if they're going to win the national championship next year, but I think you'll see a lot of these kids that have committed to Georgia make an immediate impact. I mean, look at the guys, you know, Jerry Judy, Dylan Moses, Alex Leatherwood, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Tua, all these guys had impact. Henry Ruggs had impact for Alabama. And I think that's what you're going to see um, from this Georgia class. So when we did the, what, what was it today, the take two on the class that can help win a national championship? Uh, I don't know who you took. You yeah, because that was easy. I took Well, Clemson. that's a good one, too. So. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. Ohio State's up there. USC's up there as well. Uh, I could see any of these programs winning a national championship. So. Anyways, it's going to be a crazy signing day. I don't know if we'll do one at the end of this week. We've been 58 minutes on this garbage. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm let's spent. end it. Um, so I'm going to hit stop recording, and then Dave Barry, with his flu, air quotes, will edit this for us, and then we'll pop this up. 500 people will listen to it again. The audience will not grow further. We'll continue with this horrible, horrible technology we have, and our depressing lives will move on. All right. Say goodbye, Gorney. That sounds good. Goodbye.